Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni. And I'm Tefra Jemian. And you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week, we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's There's no no such such thing thing as as bad food. Before we dig in, we'd like to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where we're recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today, and every day, to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of the area. So, how you doing? You know, I'm okay. You're okay? Resounding okay. It's a resounding okay. I am gearing up for like quite a September. Yeah. I have a lot going on in September. I have a lot of travel going on in September, which is like new for me. Right. And I'm feeling like, not going to lie, slightly overwhelmed. (laughs) I mean, you know, honestly, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the time of this recording, obviously, we're in the same room. But at the time this episode comes out, you will be on your way back from Boston. I will still be in Boston. I'm coming back in the evening. Yeah. You overestimate my ability to get this out during the daytime. (laughs) Fair enough. Anyway, yeah, I will be flying back home uh, as a way to commemorate September 11th. I will be flying out of Logan Good Airport. <laughs> <laughs> Something I learned from this flight is that there is a teeny tiny little September 11th uh, tax on flights. I don't know if it's just on flights on September 11th. There was a little, I had a little, a little fee. It was something like 40 cents, but it was like. That's crazy. This is for September 11th. Oh my God. I knew that I was flying on September 11th already. And then I realized I'm also flying out of Logan on September 11th. (laughs) I mean, you know, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, having been in Boston, like I moved to Boston just in time for September 11th, basically. Like I didn't want to miss out. Um, Mm -hmm, And we mm -hmm. moved to Boston I mean, just in time. We moved to Boston in December of 99. So like... So you were there for a while before yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But being in Boston for 9-11 was really interesting. Because like, wow, this just got dark. But you know what? This is coming out on September 11th. There you so, go, so whatever. Never just forget. like, you know, I think like my sister's teacher's dad was on one of the flights or something, oh right? Like because the flight was going... The flights were out of Logan. There was mm-hmm. like close to home in a way that I yeah, think is similar. Yeah. I mean, not not the same as New York, but like but there, there was a degree of closeness and I was 10 and had no idea what was going on. Sure, um, yeah. But then it was fun because I was just Middle Eastern enough uh, to get some of that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which was fun. Yeah, anyway, I'm sure. Gonna, now I'm going to fly on September 11th. That's that's a lot. Uh, this is a food podcast, folks. This is a food podcast. <laughs> well, it is a food podcast. Um, were you aware of the Freedom Fries thing? Oh, my God. Was that because of 9-11? That was because of 9-11. It was what did the French do during the 9-11? Fre- I, listen, again, I was 10, but the French... Um, like didn't do something the U.S. wanted them to, right? Because the U.S. was going all like nationalistic, rah rah wartime, right? And France was like, "I'm not gonna do that." Um, the French didn't choose to persecute the Arabs, something like that, which Bizarre. is surprising. That's really off. Surprising for them. choice yeah. for the French. Yeah. Surprising choice for the French. Um, and then it was like, so everybody was very mad at the French. So there were freedom fries, oh my God. And freedom kissing, and I got in trouble for that. Freedom too. kissing. Yeah. You got in trouble for freedom kissing? No, I got in trouble for being French as well as oh my for God. being Middle Eastern. Yeah, you can't win. No. No, because like what I remember, okay, this is like, we could talk about food in a minute, but like one of those memories from this time that like in retrospect, I'm like, oh, is that I remember because I was 10, right? So I was, I could walk home from school because my mm-hmm. school was on the corner of the street. I was walking home from school and a couple of the boys in my class like followed me like yelling slurs at me. I don't know. And um, I dropped my keys on the way home. And what I remember from this was just that my parents like freaked out. My parents were like, wait, they were following you home and you lost your keys. Like they they had a locksmith come and change our locks like that night. Mm -hmm. And I remember just being like, I feel like you're overreacting a little bit. (laughs) As a child. But then in retrospect, I'm like, 
oh yeah no i i i, I get what was going on <laughs> like i understand <laughs> anyway uh how's your how 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 are you <laughs> i'm doing okay i'm 30 oh yeah Ooh, you're 30 I'm 30 you're 30 30 30 are you 30 flirty and thriving uh i'm at least 30 (laughs) we'll see about the rest 30 hit me like a truck yeah this week yeah it's been it's been entirely too hot here in montreal it's been uh gross humid i feel like i'm breathing in soup every time i step outside it's still allergy season in spite of that yeah and uh you know i i just i feel bad and our entire street is is still being eviscerated. Oh, for the next two years. Yeah. 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 But you know, even in spite of that, I feel pretty good because mm-hmm. we've been eating really well this True. week, right? Uh, it having been my birthday, we ate a lot of good food for that. Mm-hmm. And then all the leftovers that came with it happened. Mm-hmm. And even tonight, when we had a very kind of thrown together last minute, not super exciting meal, of you know steamed broccoli and frozen chicken nuggets we, we we thawed the chicken nuggets we did yeah we, we, we baked eat. them even i feel like that's just inherent in chicken nuggets yeah like who's making their own chicken nuggets? no exactly yeah yeah but i just mean like it's it, you know it wasn't the most exciting but it pretty it pretty much hit the spot you know it was great it scratched an itch that i had it was yeah. great like maybe that's because i made dinner and like sourced dinner but you like, sourced it i made it Oh, that's true. You, I sourced yeah. it. So but, you, could go, um, you could go work out. But I put some like really nice balsamic vinegar and salt on the broccoli, Ooh. and that was the right choice. See, I didn't do that. I yeah. just ate it steamed because I didn't think. So because I have been working out more, because I started working from home this summer, mm-hmm. and so basically like I no longer have a walking commute. Like I used to have a lot of walking built into my day and yeah, now I have yeah. literally none. So I'm I'm working out to like ever move my body. Yeah. And so I am trying to also oh God, do macros. I'm trying to like make sure I'm like eating enough food, right? Mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. to go with working out. And I was really pleasantly um not surprised. I was just happy to discover that chicken nuggets are just like a very good source of protein Hell and yeah. also so yummy. Yeah. And, you know, I think that brings us really smoothly into our topic for today, which is the humble chicken. The humble... uh, Have you ever met a chicken? It's true. Chickens are kind of cocky. Chickens are not humble. Ah! Ah! It's another word for chicken. Chickens chickens are pretty sure. I think chickens believe they are the dominant species. I would believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I think chickens think that they're the dominant species and also, as a result, think that they're oppressed because of the way that we treat them. Are you saying chickens are white? No, I mean chickens are actually they're actually oppressed a little bit. That, yes, the way that chickens we treat them, are right? actually oppressed. So, do you want to start talking about chickens or should I? I would love to talk about chickens. I would right. love to start talking about chickens. Speak to me of chickens. Here we go. Let me tell you the things I know about chickens. Tell me the deep knowledge. The deep knowledge of chickens. Bugak. So, uh, if you're listening to this, you're probably familiar already with chickens, but just in case, you know, someone hundreds of years from now is uh uncovers a time capsule that someone has just put you know flash discs of our show on Mm -hmm. in it Mm -hmm. you know and this is like their only archaeological evidence of this time period and they need it for their records uh hello future people chicken is a bird it has sharp feet and feathers it uh, lays eggs and its meat is delicious and nutritious and high in protein it's not as fatty as a lot of other meats that we eat, uh, except for its skin, which is deliciously fatty. Oof, yeah. uh, its bones make a fantastic soup, and the fats from it can be, you know, cooked down and turned into an oil, a, a fat for cooking in and of itself. Schmaltz. Schmaltz. Yeah. That is delicious in its own right. Yeah. Um, so chicken, you know, a fantastic edible creature. A very easy way to do beak to feet yeah. cooking. You really can cook every part of the chicken. Yeah. They're they're a little they're kinda like cats in that like they they will hang out with you, but you better not cross them. Yeah. Like I don't know that I would ever fully trust a chicken if we were keeping it as a pet. We are having know? a flock of chickens someday. Sure. 100%. I just don't know if I would trust them, you know? Like to like to guard your house? Like I wouldn't even necessarily trust a horse. What? Here's the thing with a horse. 
a horse at any given time might just decide to like kick whatever's behind it because no. it feels like stretching a leg. You know, maybe I trust. I think I trust a horse more than a chicken because I don't think that a horse would do it out of malice. I think horses just maybe are a little clumsy sometimes. Would you trust a chicken riding a horse and directing it with its reins? No. <laughs> That's horrifying. <laughs> so now we got that out of the way. Let's talk about chicken as a meat. Funny enough, I don't often, I don't always trust chicken as a meat either. Okay. Chicken meat, which we usually just call chicken, tends to be one of the like slightly riskier meats that we eat of the sort of main meats that we eat. In terms of like food poisoning? Yeah. Okay. So chicken can have bacteria on it, can make you sick, can be undercooked very easily. It just doesn't always feel like the safest option. Okay. So, like, if I'm at a new restaurant or something, I'm not necessarily going to go for the chicken first. Interesting. I find if I'm, like, you know, buying meat that's on sale, I don't often buy chicken that's on sale. Okay. Because I'm just a little distrustful of it. Okay. I think possibly I've just been, like, I think possibly I've just had chicken that is, like, just close enough to bad enough times that I, like, feel a little weird the whole time I'm eating it. Okay. I don't know. Like, there's there's something to chicken where I just, I get a little eh, around it. I was going to say, this is a real positive start. We're just starting no, off no. strong I with mean, the chicken. Look, look I, I love chicken. Don't get me wrong. I love chicken wings. I love fried chicken. I love grilled chicken. Uh, I, chicken that's better than uh, a lot of the chicken places you usually go to. That's the thing. I love uh, 100% white meat, chicken filet, uh-huh. breaded mm-hmm. chicken sandwich, Burger King, whatever. I just feel a little distrustful of chicken sometimes. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You have a deep mistrust of food a lot of the time sure. for somebody who has a no bad food podcast. Like, I have not known many people who are like quite as concerned about food poisoning as you are. Sure. But like, will also leave cheese out on the table for six hours because you don't feel like putting it away after dinner. And then you'll eat that cheese the next day. You have a confusing to me relationship because you'll be like, wait, you can leave eggs out at room temperature, which you can't. You can leave eggs out at room temperature indefinitely. In most countries, you don't refrigerate eggs. But then like you will eat the the spaghetti bolognese that's been on the table since dinner time at midnight as a snack. Sure. It's fascinating. I think for me, where where I start to get squeamish is like, if I know that something when it is not prepared correctly is likely to make me sick. I get real, real anxious about making sure that it's prepared properly, right? I feel like I'm kind of the same way with sushi, Mm -hmm. where I wouldn't necessarily trust sushi if I didn't trust the place it was coming from, right? Right, yeah. Like, I don't necessarily want to go to someone's house and have them be making sushi. No, no, I would agree on that. But that's raw. Yeah. I think the thing with chicken is that because it's uh, small... Like, it's a small animal, and it's fairly lean. Similar to pork in this way. Like, you need to cook it enough, and then no more. Yeah. Like, you want to cook it just until it's cooked. Yeah. And then stop. And the thing is, like... that's tricky. Yeah, that's tricky. And it's like, I've had to stop eating chicken before because it doesn't taste like it's cooked through. Mm. Like, you can taste it a little bit. You can... I don't know. Maybe I can taste it a little bit. I've had just enough experiences where I'm like, ooh... This is going to make me sick if I eat it. Okay. And yeah. I start, like, you've, you've seen this happen to me before. I've seen this happen to you, but I always just thought it was like, you know, little, little Tism Riz uh, food aversion stuff. No. Because <laughs> yeah. I get that, right? Like, right. I'll be eating something and then suddenly I'm like, I can't eat any more of this because my brain just decided that it's the worst thing sure, I could sure. ever eat, even for, though I eat it all the time. Yeah, no, for me, it's like there's a flavor that chicken can get sometimes that is just close enough to the flavor that it has when it's not cooked properly that makes me immediately assume it hasn't been cooked properly. I don't okay. know. Yeah. I think we should probably dive into the positive aspects Let's of get eating to the po- chicken yeah, now. Exactly, Let's talk exactly. about the good aspects of yeah. eating chicken for a little while. Um. <laughs> yeah. So all this to say, we love chicken. I love chicken. I just don't always trust it. Who thinks the lady doth protest know, too much? You know, I wouldn't have dwelled on it as long as I did if you hadn't called me out on it. <laughs> So, okay. So, yeah. Here's the thing. 
I like chicken a lot. As somebody with, as previously mentioned, occasional sudden and violent food aversions. Like when I was pregnant with Toby, I basically couldn't eat meat for nine months mm-hmm. because it was just disgusting inexplicably. Um, Except for baby back ribs, which also gave you gallstones. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. You like craved them constantly, but every time you ate more than like two in a sitting... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, that's just because I had gallstones, because that happens sometimes when you're pregnant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> But it was consistently the, the Well, ribs. that's because they're fatty, <laughs> and I never eat anything that fatty. Yeah. Like, I'm not, that is like, so, okay, I grew up eating mostly vegetarian, mm-hmm. right? And, like, very low fat because of who my parents are. And as a result, I did not develop a taste for the fatty things in life. Yeah. Now, um, as somebody who grew up largely unfamiliar with meat, chicken is a really nice like option because chicken is very safe like it's often what people will start with if they've been vegetarian for a while and they're and they're starting to eat meat again it's also like often the like diet meat too right well because it's high protein and low fat right like it's especially white meat on Mm -hmm. a chicken is like it's kind of like egg it's like the egg white of meat (laughs) like and we'll have to get into talking about eggs a little bit, I think, too, I if think we're so, going to talk yeah. about chickens. But, um, and Chicken I first, love, though. like, for me, I think I've talked about this before, but, like, for me, like, on the rare occasion that I'm cooking for myself and only myself for dinner, which almost never happens because we have children, mm-hmm. but on the rare occasion that I'm cooking just for myself, I will do a chicken breast, which I will um, usually do, like, a honey mustard or, like, mustard jalapeno jelly thing on, and then I'll, like, poach it but finish it under the broiler so Mm. it gets, like, a little crispy. We'll have to talk about poaching chicken breast because this is something that was, like, oh, my God, it's such a good way to cook chicken breast if you just, like, want it around for, like, throwing in your salads Mm -hmm. or your sandwiches or whatever. Incredible. But I'll just do like a chicken breast and then like an entire bundle of asparagus or like a huge pile of green beans or something like that. And like that's my little meal that I like to eat. Maybe I'll have a little bread on the side. But like really, I'm just like, I am so happy if I could eat like, yeah, a bunch of chicken nuggets and some broccoli. Like, yeah, (laughs) I've mentioned this before. There is a part of my heart that is like a gym bro. That's just like, oh, yeah, like pounding my macros, bro. And like I take a great deal of joy out of that. Sure, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, but you can also like it just tastes good. It's got a nice yeah. texture. It's cheap mm-hmm. for now. And uh, and like you said, like you can really use all of it. Yeah. Chicken stock. Like we're about to move into soup season. We're oh, shifting yes. into soup mode. And during soup season, like I almost always have some chicken stock sure. going. Like yeah. it makes the house smell amazing. It's absolutely delicious. Don't come at me with that bone broth stuff, guys. Bone broth is just stock. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. That's all it is. So just like make yourself some chicken soup and enjoy it. And don't like, oh my God. Yeah. I see this on the grocery shelves, you know? I'll see there's like chicken stock and then there's like bone broth. And the bone broth is like a dollar more. And I'm just like, it's literally also made of bones. Yeah. Although I think, is my impression has always been that bone broth tends to be like beef. Nope. No? Not even? Not even. Oh my God. Bone broth is literally just bone like broth made from bones. No way. Why have yeah. I, I've always just assumed it was... It's marketing. Wow. It is le marketing. Le marketing. And I mean, the idea is because when you cook bones, um, you get nutrients out of them that you don't get out of the meat. So like you get that, that beautiful collagen that gives the broth its body. That mm-hmm. is why like often veggie stock just isn't the same. Yeah. Unless you add like various thickeners to it. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, you get the collagen and you'll get more minerals coming out of the bones and you'll get like the the nice like fatty nutrients from the marrow. Right. Um, and it's just like I I love stock because yeah. it's like you're just getting more bang for your buck. You totally, know, you're yeah. just like juice that chicken. Well, and I think that's fun is like if you're not interested in buying a whole chicken and butchering it, which probably you're not. Mm-hmm. uh you can also get the bones from yep. your local butcher because your local butcher is butchering chickens and setting the spines aside, right? Yeah. And so you'll have the option to buy like just a bunch of bones mm-hmm. that you can use for your stock. And then uh, it's going to cost you very little because it's just stuff they can pop in the freezer there and leave there until someone buys it. Mm-hmm. And it's cheap. But you can also get yourself a rotisserie chicken. Mm -hmm. And if you are like me and you eat basically like the breast 
and maybe like a thigh or two and then you have the rest that you're not going to eat like throw that all in a stock pot mm-hmm. and it makes great stock it's true you got a bunch um, of seasoning on there already too exactly yeah. exactly you can also actually make chicken stock like we talk a lot about chicken carcasses because it's like a nice convenient way to do it mm-hmm. but like there is no rule that you can't make chicken stock with just like bone-in chicken thighs it's true like you can get whatever chicken part is on sale at the grocery store and make your stock out of that yeah. breast will be uh disappointing i was gonna say a milder flavor for some things actually (laughs) like the breast can be really nice because it gives like a very um like thin clear broth sure okay uh but you're not gonna have the like rich collagen benefits unless there's bones in there yeah Um, yeah that's more what i mean it's just like if you're getting because i feel like when you buy breasts like i don't know if i've ever bothered to buy bone in chicken breasts ever in my life i've done it because it's cheap okay it's like it's so uncommon to me yeah oh you know what i think the butcher i worked at did not stock them i think usually they don't but i feel like sometimes at our grocery store when they're breaking in a new butcher Mm. they'll have some like poorly butchered (laughs) bone and breast that's possible yeah yeah (laughs) yeah that's it but no i mean yeah like the chicken is a beautiful creature yeah if you're not making stock with it on a regular basis you're you're not living life to the fullest I think absolutely oh my god like I've talked about this before I think but like if you make a really nice chicken stock nice place I suggest starting for chicken stock if you've never done it before and you want to learn Smitten Kitchen you know I'm always going to go to Deb Um, Smitten Kitchen has uh, uncluttered chicken stock I think is what it's called Mm. that is just like the most basic stock like very few additions just like cook your chicken sweet in broth and it's delicious (laughs) you do that and you add i mean literally any vegetable but i really like just like sliced potatoes and leeks i've probably talked about this before Mm -hmm. you have a beautiful soup and the stock really carries a lot of it like you get chicken stock has so much nutrition that it actually like will really carry you further than a simple soup made without yeah well this is this is something i've been thinking about with chicken stock is like when you have chicken stock just on hand, when you keep some in your fridge or in your freezer or whatever, you can add it to most things. Yeah. And it's an improvement. You can add it to, obviously, to your soups as a base. You can put it in your rice to mm-hmm. give it a little bit of extra oomph. You can use it when you're cooking other kinds of meat as well, right? Yeah. Like if I'm making brisket in the oven, like a roasted, you know, mm-hmm. little bit of a simmer thing going on, I put a little chicken stock in there too. Yeah. You get a little extra fat in there. You get a little extra flavor. Like th- there's there's no limit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the limit is if you're making something that needs to be dry, you don't want to put chicken stock in it. But like <laughs> beyond that, you know, anything that has a like wet element to it, a little bit of chicken stock, yeah. can't go wrong. Yeah. My nephew used to drink chicken stock out of a sippy cup when he was a toddler. That's wild. I is love it, it though? Knowing his parents? Is no, it? but I love it. I love it. <laughs> So we haven't really gotten into like different cuts of chicken at all yet. There's not that many cuts of chicken. That's it. So it feels like an easy thing for us to go through real quick. Sure. Okay. So there's the chicken. There's the whole chicken. You can have the breast, which is white meat. Yeah. Yeah. Usually Um, a fairly large piece. Chickens are buxom. Yeah. Dry, but not like. It's not dry if you cook it, right? No, but drier, like it's less lean. fatty. Lean. lean, there we go, yeah. that's the word. Yeah. Um, chickens are often bred to have bigger boobs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for this purpose. Yeah. There's also their legs, which will be the drumstick and the thigh. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Their wings, which you're probably familiar with, dunking in sauce. Mm-hmm. Now, you may wonder why chicken wings have like two different kind of varieties to them, right? Yeah. When I was a kid, I always thought that the one that you call a f- the flat mm-hmm. was the wing and that the other part was like a tiny leg <laughs> because it looks like a drumstick. But it's just, it's can just I the guess? Other part. Yeah, go ahead. It's just the humerus and then the ulna and tibia. So it's the forearm and the upper arm yeah, basically. of the chicken. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And so every wing is those two pieces mm-hmm. together. Uh, and there's also the little tip, but usually those don't bother getting included like fun lessons in anatomy if you (laughs) feel your own forearm you will feel like if you put your hand you put your thumb on one side and your fingers on the other side just below your wrist Mm. and then turn so that you can like sort of feel your forearm you will feel there are two bones in there Mm -hmm. and there's those two like knobby bones at at your wrist as well Mm -hmm. two little bones those are called the radius and the ulna Mm -hmm. And those are the two little bones you pull out of a chicken wing because we have similar enough skeletons. Yeah. 
And then on the flip side of that, if you like grab your upper arm, like where the shoulder is. Mm-hmm. There's only one bone. Yeah. Exactly. I feel like that we probably all know. Yeah, probably. I mean, uh, probably everybody knows about the radius and ulna too, because we all went to school. Maybe. But, like, I don't think that I have ulna in my head, though. Like, I took anatomy and physiology. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's one of those ones where you say it, and I'm like, yeah, I remember that being a thing. Well, it's like there's the radius and ulna, and then in your leg, there's the um, the tibia and the fibula. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That are the comparable ones. Right. Yeah, exactly. I've been and- watching a lot of bones lately. <laughs> Yeah, and then similarly, the leg is usually in two pieces as well, the drum and the yeah, the drumstick and the thigh, yeah. And um, then, like, if you have a whole roast chicken, you can pick little pieces out the back, but you're not usually yeah. going to get that as its own thing. No, that's it. There's lots of little, like, secondary bits. Yeah, exactly. Um, an interesting thing with the breast that I want to touch on, just in case. <laughs> touch on the breast. <laughs> um, if you've ever wondered what chicken fingers are, or, like, chicken, like, filet, you know? Um, um... Yeah, chicken fingers. Yeah. So chicken strips. Chicken that's strips. That's what they call them. Yeah. So that, like, in French. Yeah, that is actually a like separate little piece of the breast. Uh, it's not just like breast that's been cut into a specific shape, although sometimes guaranteed there are definitely people who also do that. Um, but when you buy a whole chicken breast that's been deboned, it's going to be kind of one large piece and then one smaller piece that's kind of like hanging off of it. Uh, and that smaller piece is what tends to be used for things like, you know, chicken strips or chicken fingers. Doesn't it have its own name, that little piece? Um, I... Oh, it's just called the filet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's it. I was going to say I only know it in French, but yeah, in French it's the filet. Filet. Yeah. And that piece is beautiful. It's like a little softer yeah. than the rest of it. So it really lends itself well to that. Yeah. And because it's already like small, you can just kind of like quickly slice it off the rest of the breast. Then you get that perfect one piece breast that you can cook and that little filet that you can hang on to for later. I'm just imagining someone just like tucking the little filet in their pocket. <laughs> just like slice it off. Oh, good. I might need this. <laughs> no, but a thing that I used to do when I was working at the butcher is we would sometimes take those off for people if they wanted us to um, like pre-slice the chicken for schnitzel, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you have to like cut the breast very thin, right? And then they don't want that little piece because they want the big, you know, the escalope, the, yeah, the scallopini. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We would set those aside. Uh, in a in their own separate container, and then we'd sell that. Right. Yeah, so yeah, people yeah. who want to get a bunch of those would be able to get that as yeah. like, yeah, you want to make chicken tenders tonight? Here's a bunch of them. Or uh, stir fry, really good and like really stir fry for stir yeah, fry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although at that point, I'd recommend maybe cutting them in half. Or, yeah. You know, just to get them a little smaller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's a really nice little like, you know, if you want if you want to have chicken breast for dinner tonight, and then want to have something you can set aside in your freezer for later. But you'd have to be making, like, a lot of chicken breasts. Yeah, I guess that's true. Now, speaking of cutting the chicken, speaking of chicken cuts, Mm -hmm. uh, let's give a quick shout-out to spatchcocking, Mm -hmm. um, the silliest word that will revolutionize your cooking experience. Spatchcocking is something I actually discovered before Tom ever became a butcher. This is something I knew about on my own. It's something I discovered before becoming a butcher, too. Oh, yeah, because I did it. Yeah. Yeah. We did a spatchcocked turkey in 2019. So, like, right before we stopped having people over for big meals for a while brined and spatchcocked and it was so good oh my god spatchcocking is when you cut the spine out yeah um you cut the spine out and then you open the bird up like uh i don't know sleeping bag um yeah you like unroll it (laughs) in french we call it papillon or butterfly yeah 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 butterfly makes sense i don't really know why we don't just call it butterflying in english too honestly because we do use butterflying for some techniques yeah, but then would, we couldn't say spatchcocking. I guess spatchcocking is the difference between butterflying with bone and without bone, maybe. Because like you would butterfly a chicken breast that's boneless to make it yeah. like double the size. Well, spatchcocking is also like specifically cutting the spine out. Like with butterflying, you're usually making one cut and opening. With spatchcock, you're actually like you're doing two cuts and pulling out the spine. It's great if yeah. you have any rage. Sure. Uh, extremely satisfying. Get yourself a sturdy pair of kitchen shears or like a cleaver and just go to town. Use your bare hands. Um, it cuts down the cooking time significantly. Yes. So this is what's really significant. It cu- it cuts down the cooking time because now all of the meat is in one layer and it's not cooking through to the middle, right? Right. Uh, so there's a lot more surface area. Mm-hmm. 
And look, don't worry, you can still spread this out on your pile of stuffing. You will still get all that good chicken juice mm-hmm. in it. Like, yeah, it'll still be delicious. Um, but you can spread it out. It takes it cuts the cooking time like in half, basically. And then that means that you don't have the breast overcooking mm-hmm. while you're waiting for the bony bits to yeah. cook. Um, so it's really like there is no reason not to do it. Sure. Yeah. Except, I mean, I guess the visual element, you don't get the round bird, but like. But it tastes so good, nobody's going to care. Yeah. And and the thing about a spatchcocked chicken is, like, you don't get a bad visual element out of it, necessarily, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's just different. <laughs> it's just different. Man, you make yourself, like, a big pile of, like, ugh, just do, like, a big, like, tadig, just, or, like, a big, like, polo sabzi or something, like, a big, like, Persian Polenta rice. Even. Yeah. But I'm thinking specifically rice right sure, now. Sure, yeah, yeah. And then you put that spatched cocked bird on top of it. And then you scatter some like, I don't know, pomegranate seeds around. Sure. That's going to be beautiful. Yeah. That's it. You just have to think a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with thinking. Yeah. Speaking of cutting the spine out of something and flattening it and cutting the cooking time in half, we're uh, getting to the halfway point of our show. So how about we uh, cut and go to the mid-roll where we'll tell you all about the ways you can give us money. Let's spatchcock this episode. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, please go leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I'm not even going to say consider, just do it. Or share this episode with a friend, or both. Honestly, you can do both those things. For every new rating and review we get during the month of Tom's birth slash first month of soup mode, we'll be donating $2 to The Depot, our local food bank here in NDG. They can turn every $1 into $3 worth of food for a family in need. So by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating and review, view of the show, you're functionally donating $6 worth of food to people who need it. There is literally no other way to turn zero into six, so if that math is exciting for you, go do it. You can read all about what The Depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode. Indeed, indeed, indeed. If you're listening to us talk about chicken a whole bunch and thinking, man, I wish I had some like exciting new recipes to try for chicken this weekend or this week or you know whatever time period you're thinking about cooking your next chicken uh may i interest you in the no bad food recipe club the recipe club is where every month we post new recipes for you to try and share with your friends and family uh and it is exclusively available to supporters of our patreon over at patreon.com slash no bad food pod so uh consider doing that you know consider hopping over to patreon becoming one of the fabulous folks who support us over there and make it possible for us to make this show and uh, join the recipe club as compensation I guess as a little reward for that Uh, this month we are talking all about chicken so we're each sharing some chicken recipes and uh, I think you know I think if you're listening to this and thinking chicken it'll be a good kind of follow-up for you think chicken think chicken eat beef save the cows eat the eat a chicken eat more chicken save a cowboy ride a chicken Save a horse, ride a chicken. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make chicken run. Do you want to know about how the domestication of chickens came to be? I would love to know about that. So there's actually fairly recent research on this. Okay. For a very long time, uh, Charles Darwin... Well, I mean, so since Charles Darwin, basically, he first proposed that chickens may have descended from red jungle fowl because they look similar. I'm going to show you a picture of the red jungle fowl. Sure. Looks like a nice cock. It looks like a chicken. Yeah, that's a nice Um, cock. But of course, because colonialism, Mm -hmm. for a long time, the domestication of chickens was pinpointed to, you know, Mesopotamia. Sure. A couple thousand years ago, whatever. However, recently, researchers have precisely pinpointed the origins of domesticated chicken. There are two studies that have come to the same conclusions, um, that chicken's domestication began in rice fields planted by Southeast Asian farmers Mm -hmm. about 3,500 years ago. Okay. So it started in Southeast Asia, Mm -hmm. um, and they did descend. They've confirmed with genetic testing Mm -hmm. now. They can't test current chickens genetically because their genes have changed so much over the centuries. Right. Yeah, but yeah. they've gone back archaeologically and found okay. earlier domesticated chicken sites mm-hmm. and traced those genes back. Cool. Yeah. What I what I had heard was that they 
were like a hybrid between the red jungle fowl you mentioned before and a gray one that's like similar but but a different kind of uh yeah just a different kind of other like wild than domesticated fowl i would absolutely believe that that is true that that's where modern chickens are descended from genealogically yeah now a thing that i found really charming about this first of all humans didn't really domesticate chickens chickens kind of domesticated themselves okay basically at this point in southeast Asia, they were doing dry rice cultivation, Mm. which means they don't flood the field like a paddy, which is what we're probably most familiar with. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just heavy enough rains that the rice can grow without that. Okay, yeah. And so when they're not flooded in a paddy, the uh, birds can come get rice. And so the birds are like, oh, sick. Like, it's so easy to get rice here. With agriculture, people were clearing out the trees, Mm -hmm. and it is actually more, it's actually better for these birds to have sparser trees mm. so they have like roosting ground but also have good visibility for predators right oh of course yeah so basically the humans created like a really nice space for the birds right and the birds were like oh sick like we're moving in <laughs> we're gonna hang out here awesome kind of like pigeons like sure. i feel like that's very similar to pigeons who are just like oh my god you guys built all these cliffs for us <laughs> what <laughs> new york city All for me? Yeah. Um, But the thing that I found incredibly charming about this Mm. is that archaeologists have found people being buried with the remnants of chickens. Yeah, yeah, Rather than discarded as scraps, which, like, signifies a domestic relationship, but also suggests that chickens were not originally domesticated as a food source. Yeah. They were just domesticated as pets. Yeah, I would believe it. They just came and hung out, and humans were like, oh my god, great, (laughs) and hung out. And then at some point, you know, over the years, the meat thing developed. I'm sure there was a, you know, this is an old mean bird and you're going in the stew pot kind of moment. But I just, like... I find that so charming. Yeah. So actually, interestingly, related to this, I have been reading this book for the past, like, two years about, uh, like, the ancient Near East. So, you know, Babylon and Mesopotamia and, you know, Sumer and Akkad and, you know, mm-hmm. all those fine folks. And uh, there is, I think, I don't remember who specifically, but there are, like, pretty solid records and, like, convincing enough records uh that show that like people were being buried with their livestock Mm -hmm. uh not just their pets but like also with like livestock that were just theirs at the time of their death right so i would even be willing to believe that like they were already eating chickens but they're also like have more of a friendly relationship with those chickens than you know like a factory farming kind of relationship right where it's like okay like i'm dying and as part of the way to like honor me in my burial I'm also like you're gonna bury my my dead animals. With oh me yes, as well, right? but see, I really prefer to believe that this is a situation <laughs> where the dead are just snuggling their chicken friend. Sure, yeah, yeah, but yeah. but that's the thing. I think I think that that's also true. Okay. Like I, I think uh, it it more sort of points to my understanding anyway is that it kind of points to like the relationship that they had with any given like farm animal. Yeah, air quotes. they're definitely domesticated. This they is were, not a situation yeah. of, a, of a wild. No, creature. exactly. Yeah, they're domesticated, but also like it was more of a like it was almost more like a horse kind of relationship than like a chicken relationship in terms of like the modern okay. way that they would have like yeah. dealt with it. Right. Where it's like. You know, I think probably some farmers name their chickens still. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, for the most part, you don't necessarily get too attached. Yeah. I think they actually, like, were attached to them and saw them more as a source of, like, eggs than yeah. as a source of meat. Well, because, I mean, because as a source of eggs, like, a chicken, you know, butcher a chicken, you eat dinner. Yeah. But, like, keep laying hens and you're eating every single day. That's it, yeah. Um, and that's something really, really valuable with yeah. fowl. Do you know, this is a different fowl, but I just need to take a quick aside. Have I told you? Do you know about Tutankhamun and ducks? No. So so Tutankhamun, um, pharaoh of Egypt, died very young. I think he was like 19 of like health issues related to inbreeding. Mm -hmm. Don't marry your cousins. But he 
loved ducks so of course because he was pharaoh he was buried with like a lot of his personal goods Mm -hmm. um including a tunic from when he was a small child that was embroidered with ducks so like two years before he ascended to the throne and he was buried in shoes embroidered with ducks um and there were like illustrations of ducks like he just the man loved ducks and it's just i think there was like a toy duck in his tomb and it's just like he really was just a kid man but like it's so sweet yeah and i think the thing with chickens actually like i'm very familiar i've been very familiar with chicken Mm -hmm. husbandry over the years because i grew up in the country and like i have family members who have kept chickens Mm -hmm. like Real, my parents kept chickens before I was born. Like I'm very familiar yeah, with yeah. the keeping of chickens. I I really would like to keep chickens at some point. I sure. really really like yeah. uh, chickens. You get your eggs, but it's also just like it's a situation with chickens where in small scale farming anyway. Mm-hmm. Like when we get outside of factory farming, eating the chickens is really secondary. Like, you are mainly keeping the chickens as egg layers, sometimes as, like, depesters. Like, they can get rid of bugs and stuff for you. Um, They can scratch up your ground for you and get it ready for planting. Like, they're just, like, nice little guys to have around. And so a lot of keeping chickens is, you know, keeping them safe and protecting their lives. And, yes, like... If you have a mean rooster, it will go in the stew pot. Like, if there's somebody who's who's being mean, or if there's a chicken who is, like, old and has reached the end of her laying life or whatever. Sure. Um, but for the most part, chickens are kept as sort of more part of the family. I mean, you will eat young roosters because you can't have that many roosters in the flock. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is a very um, uh, misandrist practice. Sure. Uh, because the female chickens are more valuable. However... It's nice. And you do get to, like, name them and get to know them. And, like, I had so many friends who had their special chicken that they'd be like, oh, Dad, can we not butcher this one this year? Like, can this one be my pet? And, like, that would be fine, you know? Of course, of course. Yeah, Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I mean, growing up in the city, like, I don't, I didn't have friends who kept chickens as a kid, right? Uh, But then, weirdly, at some point in high school, I was walking through downtown and walked past an apartment building that had a chicken coop outside. Whoa. Like, uh, I don't remember where this was. And there were some chickens just hanging out at eye level with me, like on on some on their lawn, because it was like an elevated, you know, yeah. from a sidewalk kind of situation. And I was like, where'd this chicken come from? And the guy came running over. He's like, sorry, sorry. Like, grabbed the chicken, <laughs> brought it back over to the pen. I'm like, don't be sorry, but also, is this legal? And he was like, yeah, it's legal. You can have, like, you know, if certain depending on your municipality you can have chickens this was like westmount oh i think in westmount you're allowed to have chickens because they're their own yeah they're their own town yeah yeah and i was just like all right perfect but yeah no that's it like i think don't get me wrong i would i would own chickens in a heartbeat yeah i mean you will that's just part of being with me is that once we're able to have chickens we're gonna have chickens yeah i understand that um they can break your heart though because they have so many predators sure and this is my uncle kept chickens in seattle for years and years and he had a tree house in his backyard has i think still where he has like a chair hanging from the tree and he'll Mm -hmm. go up there and read a book and and maybe he doesn't go up there anymore he's 80 but like and he had his chicken coop below it so he could just like hang out in the in the tree and watch his chickens that's cute um and then he eventually stopped keeping chickens because they were just getting killed by raccoons and foxes every year and Mm -hmm. it was just too heartbreaking because he was really keeping them as pets right and so he had to stop because it was it was breaking his heart yeah i mean fair (laughs) enough Not to go straight from chickens as pets that can break your heart by getting eaten to eating chicken, but I do think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about some of our favorite kinds of chicken to eat at some point during this food podcast. Yes, I think you're right. Now, I have already mentioned Nuggies. Yeah. Gotta give a good shout out to Nugs. Do love those. Yeah. What's your other favorite? It's kind of tricky because like I talked about... Okay, well, let me talk in more detail about poaching chicken breasts. Sure, yeah, yeah. Because one of the things I really appreciate about chicken is just that it's easy mm-hmm. and cheap. And like I will usually be able to eat it even if my body's doing weird food things. Mm-hmm. Now look up the specifications of this. But I discovered this way to cook chicken at one point. 
that has never failed me. And this is a way that you poach chickens in their own juice. So you're not adding any liquid. Interesting. You're okay. just like keeping the chicken's liquid inside it. You cook it for 10 minutes. Heat up the pan, put in some oil, put your chicken breasts in it. Cover them. Cook them covered on like a medium heat so it's simmering for 10 minutes. Do not lift the lid at any point. You will be so tempted to check on them, but don't do it. Keep the lid on tight. And then you turn off the heat. You move them off the heat, but you keep them in the hot pan with the lid on for another 10 minutes. Uh, This works best with like a cast iron skillet, so it holds some heat. And it makes just like perfect chicken. It's like juicy, it's tender, uh, it's flavorful. It's not like seared or anything, right? So Mm -hmm. it's like definitely for if you're adding chicken to your salad or like to your sandwich or something like that. Like it's not the best eating on its own. Sure. But it's just like so convenient. So like if you're somebody who like batch cooks and packs your lunches or something, like this is something you could do with like a bunch of chicken breasts, right? you know, Um, and it's just it like it has never failed me. It's very good. Yeah. And obviously like season it however you're going to season it ahead of time. Like I'm not saying you should just poach a bland chicken breast, like put your seasoning on it. Yeah. Just like I trust you to know what seasoning you like on your chicken. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Bear in mind that blanching it, you know, poaching it isn't necessarily going to be the most flavorful way to, do, to cook it so you should find ways to improve that well it's flavorful it's just not seared right, right. like it's still it's it's subtle yeah poaching does not have to remove flavor though especially when you're poaching mm-hmm. in its own juice right, right like yeah. you're not poaching in water you're not pulling liquid out of it right yeah that's probably a um, key uh yeah key component there yeah. yeah so poaching in water yes you're going to lose a ton of flavor because mm-hmm. the fat's going to flow out and everything right um but if you're doing it in like stock or in its own own juice which this is right you don't really lose flavor it's just um it's not going to have the maillard reaction on the outside yeah yeah and that's not to say that you couldn't if you wanted to cook it that way have them all in your fridge for later oh and give it a hard sear give it a hard sear right before eating it yeah that's it because to me that's like that's what that needs at the end um, I mean, and this feels silly because there's like so many beautiful ways to eat chicken. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I'm just being like, you know what I like about chicken is that I can eat it. <laughs> sure. But you know what? I think that's valid. You know, like sometimes you just need to be able to make a thing that you can eat. Right? So, okay. Building on that, though, mm. here's a way I really like to eat those chicken breasts once they're cooked. There we go. Is you chop it up in chunks. You know me. I love a big salad. Mm-hmm. Um, so lettuce. I mean, romaine is really nice here. It's crunchy and your veggies of whatever kind but with this particularly i also like doing like dried cranberries and Mm. almonds and then like maybe like a honey mustard vinaigrette or something like that um and toss it all together you can even put in croutons or you can do like kind of a a panzanella thing where you put in just like bread seeds like pumpkin seeds are nice in it sesame uh, uh, sunflower seeds are nice in it um and i like it because you can really just hit it with i mean this is part of what i love about salad is like you can hit it with what you need Mm -hmm. so like if you feel like you need greens make it really green heavy if you feel like you need Mm -hmm. crunchy stuff make it crunchy stuff heavy you know if you feel like you need nutrition add your like seeds and nuts and maybe some hard-boiled egg in there and some Mm -hmm. avocado yeah um and then toss that together and just you can make this like if you're um like going to work and you want to pack your lunch this is a really great one for that because the chicken will sit in the dressing and like soak it up Ooh yeah yeah and that's really really nice and that always like feels like a treat so how about you? I have some guesses about your favorite ways to eat chicken. Yeah. Well, so I, I was trying to think of like, you know, what I want to highlight here. Because I know for Recipe Club, I'm going to be talking schnitzel, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you're always talking schnitzel. I know. I know. People who have been listening to the show for long enough know that schnitzel is like a go-to for me, right? Um, but I think tonight I want to talk a little about chicken paprikash. Yeah. So chicken paprikash, it's a Hungarian dish uh, that has two main ingredients. And if you can't guess what they are... <laughs> you're not paying attention because it's chicken and paprika and basically like there's a few different ways to do it but at its core it's chicken that's been like seared cooked lots and lots of paprika onions garlic etc cooked in like a creamy sauce Mm -hmm. buttery sauce yeah well so here's the thing traditionally traditionally it is not as buttery as i make it Ugh, but it's so good. That's the thing. I guess I, it's not kosher with as much butter as you put in it. No, it sure ain't. <laughs> uh, and and that is a factor for sure. A lot of yeah. people don't 
put any cream in it. Yeah. I just use schmaltz. Um, for mine, I, I don't keep kosher, and yeah. I also like it a little, you know, heavier. Uh, so, so I tend to uh, I tend to use butter instead of just cream, uh, and mine tends to get. Uh, like almost close to like a butter chicken. Yeah, I was going to say it has that like fullness. It has the richness of a butter chicken, which is yeah. another dish I love. That's so. the thing. And and I think a lot of people would not disagree that chicken paprikash is kind of just like an Eastern European version of butter chicken. I would believe they have like similar roots. The spice profile is different, but beyond yeah. that, it's like a very similar dish. Now I'm probably going to get, you know, some hate mail for saying that. But that's. I mean, I don't think necessarily like they're on the same spice trading routes, right? They're like any any time you have two places that are on those trade routes, it means that recipes have been getting passed along those for for hundreds of thousands of hundreds or thousands of years. True. Yeah. So like, I don't feel like it's controversial to be like, perhaps these two disparate cultures share a cooking style for this particular dish yeah yeah i guess that's fair like it's not like cooking chicken in a beautiful gravy is like a entirely unique thing yeah yeah that's true that's true yeah no fair enough i think i just like i don't know probably there are hungarians out there who if i said chicken paprikash is just eastern european butter chicken would get offended okay but like okay you eat it with sure with spetzel yeah or also people eat it with rice or with noodles Mm -hmm. um and pickled cucumbers on the side not dissimilar to like a raita yeah or a pickle this is true this is like it's not like you know things taste good yeah Yeah, that's it like a rich sauce over a starch with a zingy little pickle on the side is something (laughs) we like all do like mole is like this too right like yeah yeah that's true yeah yeah. Oh man. But that's it. So so for me that's a big one. Dude, okay, Tom's chicken paprikash is one of the most delicious things on earth. <laughs> it is so good. It is so good. I love your chicken paprikash. Maybe uh next time I get paid I'll make that. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> if I'm making chicken myself, that's what I'm gonna go for. That or schnitzel, you know, pounded flat breaded fried tasty um but I think another cross-cultural like, oh yeah classic yeah <laughs> uh but i think another one for me that i don't cook that often because i just don't find that i can do it as well as i can get it from other places is just chicken wings like i i have never made chicken wings myself that i thought were better than ones mm-hmm. that i can get from a restaurant that's like a five minute walk from our house and delivers to us we you you got so many chicken wings towards the beginning of our relationship because i was trying real hard to do it for cheaper than i was getting it from restaurants and oh no but i mean you ate a lot of chicken wings from oh, restaurants too, too. Yeah, like you yeah, ate yeah. so many chicken wings yeah you, yeah you were you were so on chicken wing alley at well, that point in time i think i still would be if all of the delivery prices hadn't skyrocketed during yeah. covid yeah. But back when delivery wasn't a fortune, yeah, <laughs> that was my go-to. Well, especially because yeah. we had Quote um, Saint Luc, which is like right around the corner from our house, That's and do really thing. good chicken wings. That's the thing, and they used to, you know, just have their own delivery service, and so I could get, you know, I could get them to deliver it to me, and it didn't cost that much. Now Uber Eats has ruined everything. Yeah. Everything costs like twice as much because Uber Eats takes a huge, you know, chunk of the profits from it whatever uh so we don't do chicken wings as often as we used to but that's one of those ones where like every time i've tried cooking them myself like they're always good yeah i've made some damn good chicken wings but the effort is never worth the end result compared to what i can get delivered from people who do it professionally now here's the question yeah. Is the effort more or less than walking over to Cote Saint Luc barbecue and picking up some chicken wings? Well, given that the entire fucking road is being <laughs> torn uh, apart right. for the next two years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. And they had a fire and then they were closed for a while. It's true. It's yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. No, but that's it. Right. Like yeah. it's like I can get damn good chicken wings like two, three blocks away. I'm going to do that most of the time instead. But I think that's also because they like they can smoke them. They can fry them. You know, they have options there. Or yeah. not options, well, but they I mean, have equipment there that you don't have at home, right? Wings it's the and a fryer are really good. That's the thing, the, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's the same reason that I like don't make sandwiches at home that often. Yeah. Because I can get a better sandwich from a place that's equipped to make better sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now, I feel like I should give a shout out to the chicken dish that is going in Recipe Club, which I haven't mentioned yet, but I mm-hmm. think I have mentioned on the show before. Yeah. And I have possibly even given instructions on how to make on the show before. So if you really want to be committed, um, you could probably find that, but it'll be much easier to just join our Patreon and Do get it. the recipe. Uh, that is what my family calls Tati Germaine chicken. It's a Provençal recipe. Uh, Tati Germaine was my, um, my great aunt. She was my... Uh, my mim is much younger sister mm-hmm. so she was sort of like between my grandmother and my father's age basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, she passed away recently but she lived in Gardanne she stayed in France when the rest of my family immigrated mm-hmm. and she made this Provençal di- chicken dish that's just like roasted chicken parts usually legs and thighs uh, with root vegetables and onions and the vegetables roast in the chicken fat and for me personally like it is the veggies roasted in the chicken fat that I want. Like, I will also eat the chicken, but, like, that's not the peak for me. The pinnacle is the vegetables roasted in the chicken fat. My God, an onion that has been roasted in chicken fat is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, it's so tasty. My God, it is absolutely delicious. You really want this recipe. It's cheap. It has almost no active prep time. Like, it has to be in the oven for a little while. But, like, there is very little labor (laughs) happening. Everybody in our family likes it. Even the kids will eat it. Yeah, the kids will eat it. They won't eat all of the veggies, but they'll eat some of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's extremely adaptable. Like, oh my God, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. As soon as I can stand having the oven on for long periods of time, I'm going to start making it again. Yeah, I get that. I yeah, that's the thing. Like I I appreciate what you said about the star not even necessarily being the chicken, yeah. just being those veggies that are cooked down in that fat cuz like yeah. It's like true. the chicken is very good, but it's like, yeah, okay, I'm going to eat the chicken. The chicken's delicious. I'm going to eat the chicken first so that I can then like just gorge those veggies. Yeah, yeah, exactly, you know. <laughs> it's like the chicken, yeah, it hits me with the protein. It's there. It's doing its job, whatever. Here's these fucking veggies. Here's these carrots. Here's these onions. Like Usually carrots, soaked. onions, potatoes. Yeah. And then like parsnips are really nice in it. Rutabaga sure. is really nice in it. Like yeah. anything that can handle a good roast. You've thrown fennel in there before and it's been nice. You've thrown fennel in there. Fennel has been really good in it. Um, the only things you'll have more trouble with are things that, that don't cook as long. Mm-hmm. So things like cauliflower, broccoli, like those won't be as happy in it. Sure, yeah. Yeah, and that brings us back to the schmaltz of it all, right? That like... Schmaltz is so good. Schmaltz is liquid gold. That's Celery root, also really good in it. Sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, any like anything that's like a root yeah, or a tuber. No. Yeah. No. That's all you, like roots, tubers, and I love and my roots and tubers. That's it. Root and tootin'. Rootin' tuberin' chicken time. So sign that's up for it. Recipe Club. Gosh Do darn, it. what you Do waiting it. for? Do it. Don't be a chicken. Join us on Patreon today. You got any final thoughts on chicken or should we uh, get the flock out of here? Let's get the flock out of here. Hey, sorry if that was a foul joke. Ooh, let's bring this thing home to roost. Oh, baby, you crack me up. Thanks so much for listening to No Bad Food. Do you want to be part of the conversation? Hit us up on the socials at No Bad Food Pod and individually at Tefferbear and at Tom Zalatni. If you like this episode and want to help us make the show even better, head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod and donate. For as little as $1 a month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Chantal H., Gab, Thomas, Erica, Andrew, Chantal T., David, Mallory, Sarah, Nell, Carol Ann, Rachel, Aslam, and Anne. Patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show and access to the aforementioned Recipe Club. Recipe Club. Learn Recipe about chicken. Club. Come join the Recipe Club. Bergok. If that's exciting for you, head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod and make it happen. Mother clucker. We also have merch. You can hit the merch link in the description of this episode or any other episode to get all sorts of great stuff from our friends over at Pod Cavern. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice or by sharing this episode with a friend. Our theme music is by Zach Cock of the Walk Ingalls, and our cover art is by David King Tut's Rubber Ducky Flam. You can find links for both of them in the description of this episode. And last but certainly not least, this show was produced by me, Tom Zalatni, and you, Tefra Jemian, and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Podcavern Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at www.podcavern.com. Bye-bye! See you next week. Just takes a little
No Bad Food is a proud member of the Podcavern Network. For more great shows like this one, head to podcavern.com. Have you ever wondered what it's like to live in a city full of superheroes? To literally see people fly across the sky? To... To... Oh, ah, crap. What are you up to, Angus? Oh, hey, Sal. Uh, I'm trying to record an ad for the podcast. Heroes don't do paperwork? Yeah, that one. Need any help? Yeah, actually. Um... I'm just trying to tell people about the show, about, about how you and I work at a newspaper in Super City, and how we interview various citizens, from the people we call neighbors to the city's greatest heroes. But I'm having trouble wording it. You could just use that section you recorded and put that in. Huh. Yeah, I, I suppose I could. Thanks, Sal. Don't worry about it. I'm off to the office supply store. It got hit with a shrink ray, so everything is 50% off. Want to come? You know what? I, I kind of do. Oh, uh, <clears throat> for those of you hearing this, if you want to hear more about the thrilling adventures and heroics of Super City, come check out Heroes Don't Do Paperwork on the Podcavern Network. All right, let's go. Have you ever seen those lists on the internet that's like top five sandwich toppings, top five movies of the year, top five celebrities who have a very punchable face? You know what I'm talking about. The point is, all these lists drive us crazy because we have no idea who made them and how they even narrowed down their top five list. That's where my podcast comes in. My name is Tung La and I am the host of Ranked, top five lists of stuff that don't matter. In every episode, with the help of a motley crew of self-proclaimed experts, we debate, battle, and work together, showing you the entire process of how we got there to create a top five list of any and every topic we can think of, like top five brunch menu items, top five fictional dogs, top five 90 songs, top five Steve's. The list goes on and on, and we will not rest till we rank basically everything. So join us every second Thursday in the pod cavern for ranked top five lists of stuff that don't matter. Top five, top five, top five.